What do you complain about? Who do you complain to? Where does it happen? Quit complaining about your life and take the next step toward a better one on today's episode of I Quit Right Now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so so thankful that you guys are joining us today, uh, wherever you are. And as always, we are praying that wherever you are, God will give you a reason, a purpose of why he has you listening to this podcast. Hey, I want to ask you a question to kind of start things off today. How many of you know somebody who seems to complain all the time? right? You probably all of are raising their hands, right? You probably know somebody. Now the question is, how many of you are that person? Let's be honest with ourselves. How many of you are that person that complains, kind of tends to lean to complain all the time? Now it's interesting. Some people complain about everything. The weather's not right. The music's too loud. The service is too slow. Can you believe it's taken me three minutes to get my hamburger delivered to me? My cell phone dropped a call again. You know, everything is just not right. Some people, it's almost a spiritual gift. It's just, they just excel at complaining. I wanted to kind of get my mind around the subject for this week. And so I decided over the uh, week and a half uh, leading up to this, um, to this um, podcast, uh, I followed my social media platforms uh, to see what people were complaining about. And I went ahead and I put a list together of what the most common things that people complained about. I like the fact that several people claimed, uh, complained about opposites. You know, for example, a lot of people complained about their jobs. And I would ask how many of you actually complain about your job. You know, I don't like my job, the people I work with, whatever it might be. But then an equal number of people complained about not having a job. And I thought that was kind of interesting, right? Several people complained they have too much to do. You know, how many of you say, yeah, I complain about that sometimes. I just... So much to do, not enough time, right? And then several people complain about being bored and have nothing to do, which I complain about people that are bored and have nothing to do because it just makes me crazy, right? Uh, i just be real transparent here. The women, uh, they had a lot to say about this, okay? A lot of complaining. I'm not making any kind of statement, I promise you. I'm just observing the facts. More women complained on the social media platforms than men did, okay? Here's some of the ladies' complaints. Several complained because they couldn't have children, where an equal number complained about their own children. Thought that was kind of interesting and kind of funny, you know. Unfortunately, there are a lot of husbands not living up to the women. My husband, this, you know, whatever this is. A lot of them complained about their husband, and then a lot complained about not having a husband. One in particular said, there are no godly men around, which I disagree with. 
Uh, if you are a godly man, by the way, and you would like to meet someone who thinks there are none, uh, by the way, just give me a contact and I'll uh, connect you on Facebook, just letting you know. No, I'm playing. I wouldn't do that to somebody without them acknowledging that. But, uh, but anyway, a lot of women complained about housework. A lot of women don't like housework, and I don't blame them, right? Some complained about uh, various parts of their bodies, you know, or their whole body in general. The men, though, the men complained about traffic, bad drivers, paying taxes, and, and how bad the president is, was, and will be, you know. Uh, a lot of the guys said, we don't have enough money, there's not enough time. Uh, we complained that we don't have nice enough things. Uh, one guy said he complains about people who complain all the time, which I thought was interesting, <laughs> right? Uh, then my personal favorite was the one who said, I complain about people who put the toilet paper roll in the wrong way, which is just wrong. There is no other way except everybody knows it's, it's over, not under, right? Anybody that pulls paper from underneath uh, is just um, uh, causing a sin. It's demonic. Uh, it's the pit from hell, just so you know, <laughs> right? That we all know that it's, it's over, never under, right? Uh, it's been said. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so a lot of us, we say, yeah, complaining, what's the big deal? Everybody does it. It's not that big of a deal, right? If everybody does it. In fact, if you look in Scripture, you can see example after example of, of complaining, all the way back to the very first story in Scripture in the Garden of Eden, when, when Eve tempted Adam to sin after she sinned, and, and God came along, and you can watch as Adam just starts to complain, and he says, God, this woman that you put me here with, it's, it's her fault. And, and there, and even at the beginning, you see complaining at the very first story. In the book of Job, admittedly, Job had a lot to complain about with the, what, what he went through, but he did what many of us do. And his words are recorded in Job 10.1, where he says, I loathe my very life, therefore I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. In other words, I'm not holding anything back. If I, if I don't like it, I'm just, just going to shout it out and I will speak out in the bitterness of my soul. If there's one group, though, that's known for complaining more than any other, it has to be the Israelites in the Old Testament. If you know their story, it's an interesting one. They were slaves in bondage to the Egyptians, and they had one prayer, God, get us out. And God raised up a leader, Moses, and God went and did 10 miraculous plagues and changed the heart of Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh let them go. They walked out, and then Pharaoh changed his mind and sent the army after them. And they were surrounded one side by the sea, the other side by these mountains. And here came these armies. So what did God do? God parts the Red Sea. They walk through on dry land, the army follows, God closes the sea and washes them away. They are now free, completely free. God feeds them miraculously, God pulls water from a rock, There's clothes ne their clothes never wear out, and so what do they do? They complain. They complain because they don't like the food and they say, we wish we would have died back in bondage, right? Look what happens, Exodus 16, two through three. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. What, by the way, that word grumbled means complain. The, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And if you read on in the story, they complain and say, we're going to die. I wish we had died back there. They're going to steal our kids. They're going to take our wives. This is going to be the worst thing ever. Well, here's the deal. If, if you want to be divisive, okay, if you want to hurt the heart of God, if you want to drive other people away, and if you want to hurt yourselves, do what most people do, and that is 
keep on complaining. Rationalize it. Excuse it away. Say, everybody else does it. It's not that big of a deal. Or if you want to have a life that truly honors God in a significant way, do what I'm doing. And that is, I quit complaining. I'm going to quit complaining. Let me unpack for you uh, why complaining is so dangerous. Why is it such a, a grievous sin in the eyes of God? Let me show you two principles from the Old Testament under what I call the cost of complaining. Again, we will look at the Israelites and the story of Moses. Okay, uh, The first thing, if you're, if you're uh, paying attention here, we need to understand that complaining offends the heart of God. Okay, The way I picture it, those of you that have children... If you've ever done a lot for one of your children and they just whine about it, you know, you bless them in so many ways and they just come back, oh, I'm so bored. I got nothing to do. My life stinks and blah, 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 right? And you just want to say very lovingly to them as a Christian person with the love of the Lord, you ungrateful little brat, (laughs) right? We do. And I imagine that's how God feels when we complain. And I have proof of this. Listen to Numbers um, Numbers chapter 11, one through two. Listen to what he says in here. Now, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. Their complaining made God so angry. It so offended him that he shot fire and burned the outskirts of the camp. Okay, so if you ever come home and the outside of your yard is burned, you just need to know that you've been complaining way too much, okay? Just know that. The principle here is very clear, that complaining offends the heart of God. The second, uh, the second thing is complaining carries significant consequences, okay? Complaining carries significant consequences. Very practically, before we even look at spiritually, just with other people, if you want to drive people away, complain all the time. Someone said, complainers have spiritual bad breath. Kind of nasty, right? But a very good point. What do you do when someone has bad breath? Well, you just take a, a step back, right? And when people complain all the time, it drives you away. It also will hurt you, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But, but I want you to see from Scripture that complaining carries significant consequences from God. Here's what God says. It comes from Numbers 14, 27 uh, through 28 and another verse. I'll give it to you. It starts with Numbers 14, 27. Here's what he says. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? Remember, grumble means complain. I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Then he goes on in verse 30. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and uh, Joshua. Okay, The very thing you wanted, you're not going to get. You're not going in. You don't get what you want because I'm not going to put up with it anymore. You've complained so much. I'm not going to bless you with what I want to bless you with. I'm not going to give you what you wanted most of all. Now, I can't prove directly that God is ever going to do that in your life, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not God. I'm not going to say he's going to do that. But because he did it here, there is a fair chance, okay? Maybe better than fair, that there is something that God really wants to bless you with, or there's something that you really want, and God would love to give it to you, but it could be, according to the scripture, if we read into what he did there, there may be times where God says, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. Just not going to do it. 
just like I would with one of my kids. You, you've been whining too much. No, you're not going to the party. You're not going to, you're going to have to learn that you don't, can't complain against the one who blesses you, right? Because at some point I'm not going to bless you with a thing you want most. Your complaining has driven me crazy and it's just, we're not going to, we're just going to stop it right now. It can cost you significantly, not only spiritually, but again, from a very practical standpoint, some people argue that when you complain, you're actually drawing negative things to you and, and they make a fair point. Now, I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure I'm not, I'm not uh, preaching on karma here, saying that there's karma out there. I'm not saying that. Um, you know, I'm just saying there's a fair point that it, it, it seems like things draw negative to you. And I'll give you an example. Okay. There was a realtor one time who was showing homes to different families, and one family from out of town was looking at the homes that the realtor was showing. It didn't, they didn't like anything. Everything was kind of, I don't like this, and I don't like that. That's just too ugly, too blah, whatever, okay? And they said to the realtor at some point, hey, I'm just curious, what are the people like in this town? And the realtor said back to them, well, I'm curious, what were the people like in the town you came from? And they said, oh, the people, they were judgmental, they were busybodies and gossips, and they just, they just weren't very good people. And the realtor said back, well, unfortunately then, you're probably going to find that the people in this town are not good people either, okay? And the next day, the realtor had another family, and they were delightful, and they had all these great things to say about the houses they were being shown. And the family said, I'm just curious, what are the people like in this town? And the realtor said back to them, I'm curious, what are the people like in the town you come from? And they smiled and they said, oh, they're actually great people. We're going to miss them so much. We had so many great friends and they were really salt of the earth and very good quality people. And the realtor looked back and said, well, I've got good news for you. Chances are you're going to discover the people in this town are a lot like the ones in the town you come from. You see, if you want to complain, you can find things all day long to complain about. If you want to be bitter and critical and negative, you don't have to look far to find things to be bitter and critical and negative about. In fact, I like the technical term for this. It's called a confirmation bias. And the teaching goes like this. If you have a preconceived idea against something, you will search it out or, or interpret new information based on your preconceived bias. If you are critical and want to find something wrong, you can very easily interpret new information in such a way to prove your preconceived bias. For example... A young woman gets hurt by a man, and so what does she decide? She decides, you know what, from that point, all men are jerks. Well, every time she meets a man because of her bias, she can find relatively easily reasons to pick men apart and goes through life with the conclusion that there are no good men out there anywhere because she already made up her mind and interprets information based on that. It's the confirmation bias. You want to be critical? You want to be negative. You will be miserable. And so will the people around you. It will cost you significantly. Why is it? Well, sociologists are actually studying this and noticing that the, the more blessed the people are, the more critical they become. And in recent generations, they argue that people are becoming more critical and more negative and complaining more. There's one sociologist who was talking about why they believe that this actually happens. And his argument was that he believes smaller family units are actually contributing to a more entitled mindset which then leads to people being negative and critical. It was really interesting. He, he made an argument around dinner time specifically. He said, for example, in smaller families, the family conforms to the desires of the children. With our family, we only had two kids. And my wife would ask what they wanted for dinner. 
and whatever they said, she she would she would make it because it was simple. It was two people, simple as that. Okay, I was raised in a home though with two brothers and a sister, four kids, and my mom would 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 not have been stupid and asked a question to ask us kids what we wanted for dinner because she knew it was not going to be an easy answer. Okay, she just decided that that what we were having, you're going to eat it, you're going to like it, or you were going to bed hungry, right? And just to give you a picture into my family growing up, when dinner was ready, my mom would yell, dinner's ready. And we would all come running from everywhere. And we would race each other to the dinner table. The reason is because with six people, sometimes there's enough food, sometimes there's not. And if there's not and you're not there, then you're on your own. Okay, It's first come, first serve. Not that we didn't have any food. It's just if you wanted seconds and possibly thirds, it was, you had to be the first one there and get done first. Okay. And admittedly, not because my parents were better parents, but just because of the nature, we conformed to the needs of the family rather than the family conforming to the needs of the children. When the family continues to conform to the needs of the children, what happens? We children grow up to be grown-ups, and we think we are the center of the plot. We think that we get what we want. And anytime we don't get what we want, since we are the center of the plot, therefore we have the right, the God-given right, to complain about anything that is not the way we want it to be or we think it should be. And if it's not, then ultimately, we may even cast our complaints against God. God, why isn't this, this, isn't my life the way I think it should be? Because at its root, complaining is a very intense spiritual problem. We think we're God, and when anything is not the way we want it, we have the God-given right to complain. The bottom line is, God is the center of the story. He is the main character, not us. He does not exist to serve us. God isn't on the throne going, oh, you know what? They're upset again. Let me try to make them happy. I feel bad for them. Let me me try to make for happy. No, we exist to serve him. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the alpha and the omega. We exist to glorify him. He is the main character. We are not. When you complain, it's because you think you're the main character. At its root is a profoundly deep and serious spiritual problem that we must deal with. It must be dealt with. So what do we do? What do we do in a culture where complaining is not only normal, but it's expected? Where entire clusters of friendships are built around common dislikes. Have you guys ever noticed that? We gather around those, we all complain about the same things, right? And our bond would be our complaints, right? We do it all the time. So what do we do? How do we go about restraining our complaining? Okay, let me give you just a few verses, and then we're going to break them down, all right? We're going to look at the what, why, and the how of restraining our complaining, all right? Let's first look at the what. The what is, the, is very direct, very complete, okay? The what is do not complain. Do not complain. Paul said this as plainly as he could, Philippians 2.14. Okay, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Remember, grumbling is complaining. Do everything without complaining or arguing. I can already tell some of you are probably jotting a note down somewhere or still in your memory that, hey, you know what? I'm going to quote this to my children every day the rest of my life, right? <laughs> right? Okay? Now, not this is not just for your children, okay? I'm telling you what. You apply this to your relationships too, okay? If you're married and you're struggling in your marriage, I promise you, there, there's a lot of complaining and there's a lot of arguing going on. Why? Because in your mind, you are the center of the relationship. And if anything doesn't live up to your expectations, you have a God-given right to complain about it. That's what we think. Okay? So apply this as well to your marriages, to your relationships. Okay? 
Do everything without complaining or arguing. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, don't complain and ride your kids all the time, okay? Look for things that build them up. Believe it or not, the things that we are negative about, not directly towards the kids, but just the things we're negative about, affect them. It, it brings them down. For example, if you're around there going, I'm sick of my job, stupid people I work with, blah, 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 they hear that, right? What you should be doing is saying, thank God I have a job, and I've been blessed with a job, and I'm here to make a difference in this place, okay? Let what comes out of your mouth be helpful for building others up rather than, than tearing down, okay? Complaining never made anything better. Let's talk about the why. Why do we not complain? Okay, the what is don't complain, right? So why do we not complain? Well, the answer is so that you can become more like Christ, okay? It's a very important answer for those of you that are Christians. Why? So we can become more like Christ, all right? Let's, uh, let's read on in Philippians 2, uh, verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. This to me is amazing. He says in 14, do everything without complaining, right? Why? So then verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure. What's that like? That's like Christ, right? Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. He could have said, do not lie, cuss, cheat, steal, look at women lustfully so that you may become pure. But he didn't say that. He said what? Do not complain. Don't complain. It's such a hard issue because at its root, we are trying to be the center of the plot. If you can remove yourself from the center of the plot and put God in his rightful place, then you'll stop complaining and you can become pure. You can become children of God without fault in this very corrupt generation. Now, what we talked about up to this point, most of it's external, okay? It's what's on the outside, and all of us can start training our mouths to be better. But, but Jesus said very clearly, he said in Luke 6, 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If we just fix the external, we are really missing the heart of the matter, which is the eternal, Right? If our heart is not right, then, then we are still really losing the battle in a significant way. So what do we do? Well, the way I like to describe it is this. I want to try to align my heart with the heart of God. And here's how. Here's the how. You choose to rejoice no matter what. Okay, You choose to rejoice no matter what. You align your heart with him, and you choose to rejoice. And this is what Paul did. And this, to me, is an amazing thing when you think about the context, right? Paul was writing the book of Philippians from a prison. He was on house arrest. And in his mind, he's actually thinking, this is probably the end of my game, right? I'm probably nearing the end of my life. And here's what he says in verse 17. But even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Okay, what do you think that means? What do you think he's saying? Even if I die for this, that's what he's saying. Even if I give my life for the cause of Christ, most people would be complaining, right? I don't like being in prison. I didn't do anything wrong. I shouldn't be here. I need to be out there making a difference. This isn't fair. I was falsely accused. And he says, even if I die, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. In other words, you too should be glad and rejoice with me. How in the world can he say that? Okay? How in the world can he say that? Let me tell you how you can say that. 
because he is the guy who said this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives inside of me. How could he say that? Because he was no longer the, the center of the story. His heart was aligned to the heart of Christ, and he had been transformed and forgiven. I would almost, it's almost like I could hear, hear Paul say, if only, if, only, um, if only you knew where I came from, if only you knew what I've been forgiven by, if only you know what Christ has done, how could I ever do anything but rejoice? I trust him as the supreme God of the universe, who is not just my best interest, but his glory in mine. And, and if my discomfort somehow brings him glory, why in the world would I complain about anything? I am his willing and rejoicing servant. Now, there may be all sorts of things in your life, and you're thinking, you know what, I just want to complain. I just, I just want to. It may be petty things, and it may be big things, and things that we really feel like we have the right to complain about. But when you take yourselves out of the center of the plot and put the only one who is worthy to be there, God, and you align your heart with Christ, you will suddenly realize that complaining costs a lot. If, if it offends the heart of God, it costs you significantly. It, it'll drive other people away, but you can overcome it. You can stop complaining. You will become more like Christ, and your heart will be aligned with him, rejoicing in all things. Why? Because our God is that good. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. Hey, remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so that you'll get all the latest episodes every time we upload a new one. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support this ministry, please visit chandleracreschurch.com.